0: Before I have you turn to Psalm 143, I'd like to just say this by way of, of introduction. Um, I'd like to address every uh, beloved child of God, every, every sheep, every lamb, those whom God has everlastingly loved. Uh, beloved, uh, we don't take care of ourselves. We don't we don't we don't take care of ourselves who takes care of us Well, the scriptures set forth ever so blessedly not that he cares about us but beloved he cares for us he cares for us in Psalm uh, 23 we read there ever so blessedly and I just pray that this would comfort you beloved I mean, that's that's why I trust He has us here this morning, because <laughs> He cares for you. In His good providence, He's brought you here this morning to hear once again the glorious message of His darling Son, Christ, and Him crucified. Um, I'm not here behind this pulpit to preach to, to goats or to preach to the reprobate. I'm here to preach to God's people, His sheep, His lambs, His redeemed. It says there in Psalm 23, I don't know what this week's been like for you. It's impossible for me to know. But I want you to know this, beloved. Look what it says in verse 1 of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. (laughs) What a blessing. I shall not want of pardon for all my sins. I shall not want of righteousness or acceptance in God's sight. You see, through the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved, we've been saved, not not almost saved. As we were reading in our Sunday class in, in Hebrews 7, verse 25, beloved, we're saved to the uttermost, completely and truly, through the blood of Christ, pardon of all our sins, and made the very righteousness of God in Christ. God's word sets forth that our heavenly Father made his darling, well-pleasing Son, he who knew no sin, that he was pleased to make him sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That comforts real sinners. That message comforts real sinners. Why do I say real sinners? Well, that's what the Apostle Paul wrote to young Timothy, was it not? First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he wrote to that young man, our brother. He said, a true and faithful saying, beloved Timothy, a true and faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I pray that glorious message would comfort you, beloved, this morning afresh. I need to hear that gospel all the time, don't you? Now, in Psalm 143, we see that the title of this psalm is very simply, A Psalm of David. A Psalm of David. And notice, we see in the Scriptures how that David was a man after God's own heart. And David was a man who was blessed to be the anointed king of Israel. And David confessed that his salvation was all of the Lord's doing. All of it. And he came to the Lord Jesus Christ as a mercy beggar. And the Lord heard his cry and saved him. And not according to David's works, not according to David's works, but according to his mercy and grace. Now notice verse 11 in Psalm 143. It says there, quicken me, O Lord, Quicken me for thy name's sake, for Christ's sake, the express image of your person and glory. For, For thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. Lord God, my Father, for your Son's sake, quicken me. Make me alive. I need salvation by your grace. And so, Lord, I'm begging you, quicken me for Christ's sake. Lord, grant me life and salvation because of your well-pleasing Son, Christ Jesus the Lord. Quicken me, raise me up from the tomb of, of unbelief. We read in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says there, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it sets forth, Sanctify the lord god in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear i recently heard an account of an old preacher that gave his answer plainly and succinctly when he was brought before a religious council you know they were they were considering uh, to burn him at the stake for what they called heresy I mean, just think of it, beloved, of being tied to a stake of having the wood piled at your feet and they're ready to light you a fire. And they said to him, well, just recant, just stop preaching what you're preaching. And he said, I can't do that. I I can't do that for I can't help but declare the truth as it is in Jesus. And they asked him, well, then give us three reasons why yourself for your salvation. Give us three reasons for your salvation. And that brother said, without hesitation, the first reason is Christ. What's the second reason? The second reason is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well then, Heretic, what's the third reason for your salvation? The third reason for my salvation? The third reason is the King of Kings, Christ Jesus the Lord, the very one that the Father sent into the world to save sinners. And that sums it all up, does it not? I mean, Christ sums up all of our salvation. Or as the writer in Hebrews puts it, now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. This is the sum in total, beloved. We have such a high priest who is set on high at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. That's Hebrews 8.1. Beloved, we have salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that because of His grace and mercy. For of His fullness have we all received grace for grace. And my friend, the only reason for grace is God's good pleasure, for it's of His grace alone that we enjoy that salvation accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the salvation that we read of in the Scriptures is totally dependent upon Christ. Indeed, totally dependent upon Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own precious blood. You see, beloved, our salvation has been and is determined, dependent, and accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Remember, He appeared, or He was manifest in this time state at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. The Lord Jesus Christ alone, by Himself, accomplished our salvation. Indeed, He is salvation itself. And He wrought out that salvation by His doing and dying, by the sacrifice of His obedience unto death and the shedding of His blood. Now, we see here David a man after God's own heart, calling upon the Lord in time of trouble. And every believer, every mercy beggar has the same privilege and the same blessing to call upon the Lord all the time. You see, beloved, we not only call upon the Lord in times of trouble, but so too we call upon the Lord at all times. We read in Romans chapter 10, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. Whosoever. What a, what a blessed word. And that's a word that's not speaking of just a few, my friend, but rather of many. Indeed, it speaks of a multitude which no man can number out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. You see, beloved, we do rejoice evermore in the Lord Jesus Christ and pray without ceasing. And you know, praying, beloved, for the believer, praying is like breathing. I mean, it's the very life of the believer and beloved just as we can't live without breathing so too the believer can't live without praying remember when you were a kid and you know you'd see how long you could hold your breath you know to see who could hold it the longest well i don't advise a believer to do that not by analogy you see we have to breathe beloved in order to live and praying is like breathing for the believer indeed it's the very life breath of the believer. You see, just as we cannot live without breathing, so too a believer cannot live without praying. And David says here, in verse 1 of Psalm 143, he says there, Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. O Lord, give ear to my cries, hear my prayer. And blessed by the Spirit of God, that heart cry is not some cold dead utterance, but rather a heart cry unto the Lord in the privateness of our closet. The disciples asked the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. And we do need to be taught to pray, do we not? We do need that understanding that only He can give. And prayer of the heart, prayer that's born of the Spirit of God, it's the heart cry of every believer, of every mercy beggar. And that heart cry sounds like this. Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. That's what Scripture says. And we say it all the more emphatically. Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. Now, can someone say that in a cold, lifeless way? Could they just repeat it like a parrot? Well, of course they can. But a sinner, a needy, naked, bankrupt sinner, cries out, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. And the Lord heard the prayer of that man and saved him. And we read of that account in Luke 18. Notice again here in the beginning of verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Not hear my prayer, O men. He doesn't say that. He says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. You see, beloved, we don't pray to be heard or seen of men. And we see plenty of that in organized religion. I mean, we see it all the time, do we not? I mean, they have their their national day of prayer, and they all assemble together to pray publicly. But believers don't pray to be seen of men. Rather, they pray to be heard of God Almighty. I don't want to pray to be heard or seen of men, do you? You know, like put on a show or put on a display. I mean, what good would that do, just to be praying to be seen of men? What good would it do to have men hear our prayers and then have the Lord not hear them? I mean, that would be utterly useless. And so since our prayer is to to the true and living God, he can hear our prayer, beloved. You see, our prayers are not under some cold dead idol or the figment of our imagination. Rather, we call upon the living God, and because he's the true and living God, he can hear our cry. You see, because he's a covenant God, because he's obligated himself by the covenant of his, of his grace and mercy, he's obligated to hear the cries of his people. You see, beloved, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. And so we call upon the name of the Lord, and he hears our cry. Indeed, He ever lives to intercede for us. Again, notice what David says in verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In Thy faithfulness answer me, and in Thy righteousness. Notice he doesn't say, Lord, hear me because I'm the King. He doesn't say, Lord, hear me because I've won many battles for You. He doesn't say that. Hear me for one reason... And one reason only. And set forth in this in this portion ever so blessedly. Lord, in thy faithfulness answer me. And in thy righteousness. Now notice those two key expressions. Thy faithfulness and thy righteousness. You see, the only reason God would show mercy to any sinner. The only reason God would show mercy to any of us here this morning. Is because he's faithful. And because he's righteous. Remember what the evangelist John writes in 1 John chapter 1? He writes there, if we confess our sins, there, this is in verse 9. He writes in verse, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, beloved, the righteous God, he delights to answer our prayers when we pray according to his will. And we do pray, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And we do not cry out to be heard because of our faithfulness or because of our righteousness. I mean, does someone ask the preacher, do you have any righteousness of your own? Do I have any righteousness of my own? I have no righteousness whatsoever. All my righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You see, in mercy and grace, God has taught me not only do I need to be saved from my transgressions, but ever so blessedly He's taught me I need to be delivered from my iniquities, righteousnesses. Not in of myself do I have any righteousness, beloved. It's only in Christ that I have any righteousness. You see, the best I have to offer unto God, in of myself, God says, is nothing more than a filthy rag. Just nothing more than filthy rags in His sight. You see, beloved, the faithfulness that we depend upon is the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the righteousness we depend upon is the righteousness of what He's done on this earth on behalf of His beloved people. It's through the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ that He is called in Scripture the Lord our righteousness. And so we ask to be heard because of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is faithful, because the Lord Jesus Christ is righteous, and by his righteous servant, our blessed Lord is faithful and righteous on our behalf. He's faithful and righteous to all his covenant promises, and of all that he has spoken and promised to his people. How many promises of God will fail? How many have failed? Not one. No, not one. We read in Isaiah 42, he shall not fail. And the reason he can't fail is because he's the true and living God. You see, beloved, our blessed Lord is faithful to all of his covenant promises. The Lord said, I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see, beloved, his faithfulness, his righteousness alone, that and that alone is all of our salvation. All of it. Now notice verse 2. And Lord, enter not into judgment with thy servant, For in thy sight, in the sight of God, shall no man living be justified. Now, that's remarkable. Notice David declares three things here. First, he declares who he is, thy servant. I am thy servant, O Lord. And David mentions that again in the latter part of verse 12. I am thy servant. Can you think of a higher calling than to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Men who have been drafted into the army, or who have enlisted, they're in the service of country. And I guess that's honorable, but I can think of no higher title than that of servant of the Lord, and being put into this ministry. Would one of the men go outside and see what that noise was? Or a couple of the men? Yeah, that's good. Maybe two. Oh, we have a few. So. And as I think upon this term, servant of the Lord, all of his people were his body, beloved. He's our glorious, majestic head, and we're his body. And I love that verse in Second Corinthians chapter four. If you turn there, Second Corinthians chapter four. It says there in verse one, and this doesn't just speak to those sinners behind pulpits who believe, but it speaks to all those sinners in the pews who believe those he saved by his doing and dying. It says there in Second Corinthians chapter four verse one Therefore seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And the Apostle Paul often referred to himself as the servant of the Lord, did he not? The servant of the Lord, that's who Paul is. That's who David is. I am thy servant, O Lord. And then David mentions what he knows. What does he know? He knows that no man, no one, is justified by the deeds of the law in the sight of God. And Paul knew that. He writes in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3 there in verse nineteen Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Perhaps you, you've entertained ideas of being justified by keeping the moral law. The Ten Commandments. Does anyone entertain that? Well, you and I have broken every one of them. Every day, every hour, every moment. The law says you're guilty. The law says I'm guilty. That's right. That's what the law of God says. We're guilty on all counts. We cannot be justified by the deeds of the law. That's what David is saying here. In thy sight, O Lord, shall no man living be justified. And something else David knew, he knew that salvation is of the Lord. He planned it, he purposed it, he executes it, he supplies it, he sustains it. You see, salvation is all of his doing and his doing alone. And David says in Psalm 37, Psalm 37, verse 39, he says there, Psalm 37, 39, But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. And, beloved, he is our strength in time of trouble. Salvation is of the Lord, is it not? What a blessing to know that. How that salvation comes from him and him alone. For he planned it, he purposed it, he executed it, he applies it, he sustains it. And notice what David asked for. Notice he asked for mercy. Lord, enter not, he writes, enter not into judgment with thy servant. Lord, I don't want what's coming to me. And you know, some people say, well, all I want is what I've earned. Really? You want to stand before God on the basis of what you've earned? My friend, have you not heard? The wages of your sins, the wages of your pseudo-righteousness is death. But thank God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I don't want judgment. Do you? I want mercy. And that's why David says in Psalm 51, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy lovingkindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Blot out my sins and iniquities according to thy tender mercies in Christ. You see, David and every believer desires to be met at the mercy seat, not the judgment seat, at the mercy seat. And beloved, that's where I want to meet God. That's where every believing sinner wants to meet God at the mercy seat, not at the judgment, not at the judgment bar, but at the mercy seat. Remember the mercy seat that was over the Ark of the Covenant and of how the blood was put on that mercy seat and God said, I'll meet you there at the mercy seat. And beloved, that's a picture but a shadow of the substance of Christ Jesus, the Lord, who is himself our mercy seat. You see, this is the believer's desire of that of being justified before God in the Lord Jesus Christ, of being accepted in the beloved Son of God. Lord, don't enter into judgment with me. Rather, have mercy upon me for Christ's sake. My sinner friend, could you pray that way? Could you pray that way? Lord, have mercy upon me the sinner. And mercy, my friend, is God not giving me what I deserve. So what do you and I deserve? Well, are you a sinner? Are you a sinner? I, I'm a sinner. Born in sin, shapen in iniquity. What do I deserve? I deserve judgment. I deserve judgment. But thank God He, de- he delights to show mercy to sinners. Who is a God like unto our God, beloved? that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. Beloved, he retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. Now look at verse 3, verse 3 of one Psalm 143. For the enemy, and David had a lot of enemies. He, I mean, he had, he had his own father-in-law as an enemy. Some of his own family members hated and, and hurt him. Lord, the enemy hath persecuted my soul. The enemy hath smitten my life. The enemy hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness, and those that have been long dead, as those who have been dead a long, long time. Now, the enemy, Satan, he's called the accuser of the brethren. Have you heard that title of Satan? He's called the accuser of the brethren. And he's enemy to the Lord's people. But, beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ has conquered and defeated that enemy. Our Lord Jesus Christ has conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave for us. Indeed, he's given us the victory in Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, David here is referring to the enemy of his soul that had smitten his life down to the ground that made him dwell in darkness as someone who's been dead. And I believe what he's speaking to here is the enemy of his own sinful heart that smites him down to the ground. I mean, isn't that our chief problem right now, beloved? Isn't it our chief problem, our own sin, that smitten us to the ground and persecuted our soul? The Apostle Paul, the servant of the Lord, says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, or the good that I, I, I would I I do not. He's writing here in Romans seven eighteen and 19. In verse 19, he says, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil, the evil which I would not, that I do. As one smitten down to the ground, Paul says, O wretched man that I am, O miserable, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And the Lord lifts him up again as he's made to remember his deliverer, saying, Thank God that it's through Jesus Christ our Lord I shall be delivered. Beloved, our sin has made us to dwell in darkness. By nature we've been long dead, and because of that sin God must quicken us and make us alive. And thank God he does so by his grace given us in Christ Jesus in the covenant that was purposed from before the foundation of the world. Now look at verse 4. Therefore... When I consider the enemy, the sin of my own sinful self that persecutes my soul, that smites me down to the ground, that makes me to dwell in darkness like those that have been dead a long time. You see, by nature, we love darkness, not light. That's us by nature. Therefore, is my spirit overwhelmed within me? My heart within me is desolate. Desolate. Our brother Job, when he was smitten down to the ground, he said, have I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. I see thee, Lord. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust, dust and ashes. And Isaiah, the prophet of God, he said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And he said, Woe is me. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And therefore, beloved, when considering the effects of our sin, of how many times we've sinned against God, our spirit and our heart is overwhelmed within us. And we know that by painful experience, do we not? And beloved, we know we, we cannot not sin. Let me say that again. Beloved, we cannot not sin. My friend, believers know that. We cannot Not sin. You can't stop sinning. I mean, I could no sooner stop sinning than I could start being perfect. There's sin in my preaching. There's sin in my prayers. There's sin in everything I do, I think. And does someone ask the question, preacher, are you a sinner? Are you a sinner? Absolutely. I was born in sin, shapen in iniquity. And sin is not limited to what we do. You see, it's what we are. It's what we are by nature. And because of the conviction of our sin, and our sin is against God, therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me is desolate. Do you know what a good cry is before God? Lord, I'm guilty. I'm guilty on all counts, and without excuse... I unreservedly and without any claim to the contrary, I'm completely guilty before you, God. And you know, that's a good place to be. You know why that's a good place to be? Or why that's a good thing to cry out before God? I'll tell you why. Because grace is for the guilty. That's right. Grace is for the guilty, and mercy is for the miserable. Therefore is my spirit Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me and my heart within me is desolate. You see, my friend, a man doesn't know he's a sinner by nature. A man does not know he's a sinner by nature. He doesn't know by nature that he sins against God. For that's something God must reveal to us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's what we read in First John. My spirit's overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate, guilty, vile, and wretched. There's none righteous, no, not one. David seems to be looking in the wrong place for comfort, doesn't he? But look what David says in verse five. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I remember all the good things that you've done, Lord. I muse on the works of, on the work of thy hands, not mine. Not mine. I muse on the work of thy hands. You see that, beloved? David saying, I ponder on all the work of thy hand. Beloved, when sin depresses us, our only recourse for refreshing is to ponder what the Lord has done for us, not what we have done for him. Notice it's his works. Lord, by the work of thy hands, not the work of ours. And we read in the beginning there of uh, Psalm 92. Psalm 92, starting with verse 4. It says there, Lord, thou hast made me glad. <laughs> thou hast made me glad through thy work. Not my work, through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. Verse 5. O Lord, how great are thy works, and the thoughts are very deep, and, the, and thy thoughts are very deep. Verse 6. A brutish man, a foolish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. Thou hast made me glad through what you've done for me. You see, beloved, we don't look for assurance or comfort looking at the things we've done. My friend, if you're comforted by what you do or by what you don't do, if you're comforted or made glad before God by anything other than the blood and righteousness of Christ, God's well pleasing Son, You know what that is? That's idolatry. That's all it is. That's idolatry. Well, preacher, you've preached thousands of times, but do I get any comfort or assurance before God from that? Do I get any comfort or assurance from anything that I've ever done? Not at all, my friend. For my comfort and assurance is in Christ alone, in what He has done for us. You see, beloved, it's the work of His hand that makes me glad. And when the Gentiles heard this, Do you remember the next part of that verse? When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. (laughs) Christ is all in salvation. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And I'm glad the reason I find myself believing on God's Son, the reason I find myself saved by the blood and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ is that in that covenant of grace, I was ordained to eternal life to be saved according to the purpose and grace He's given me in Christ Jesus. And His choosing me makes me glad. Not that I chose Him. Indeed, our Lord tells us plainly. He tells us plainly, beloved. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. And We read in Psalm 111, verse 3, it says there, His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endureth forever. He hath made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. You see, salvation is by the doing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what he prayed in John 17? In John's Gospel, verse uh, in chapter 17, he says there, what a blessed verse, He says there in John 17, verse 4, Father, I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. You see, salvation is based upon His obedience unto death, not ours. And so, beloved, when sin depresses us, our only recourse for refreshing is to look unto the Lord. Believing sinner, the salvation that we enjoy is not by the works of our hand, and Scripture makes that abundantly clear, does it not? Salvation is not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. You see, God saved us according to His power and glory, not according to our works. My friend, salvation is of the Lord, and it's by His doing. And so, preacher, why do you keep on saying that over and over and over again? Well, it's the truth, is it not? Isn't that what Jonah said in the belly of the whale? Jonah 2, 2, nine, I believe. He said, salvation is of the Lord. And the truth, beloved, it needs to be repeated because the truth, that's capital T-R-U-T-H, the truth, a person, his name is Jesus Christ, the truth will set you free. Now look at verse 6, back in our portion. Psalm 143, verse 6. I stretch forth my hands unto thee, I look unto thee, O Lord, and my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. So what do sinners thirst after naturally? Man drinks iniquity like w- the water. That's what the Scriptures say. Behold, the Lord Jehovah putteth no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. How much more abominable and faith filthy is sinful man which drinketh iniquity like water. Job fifteen, fifteen and 16. You see, that's what we are by nature. We drink iniquity like water. But what David's speaking to here is having a spiritual thirst for the living waters of the living God. He says in verse 6, says there, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. I look to thee. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. By the hands of faith, by the look of faith, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. You see, this is a look of faith or the hands of faith that reaches out only to Christ. Only to Christ. Remember what uh, David said in Psalm 42? David says in Psalm 42, there in the very first verse, As the heart, as the deer, panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And beloved, it's only by His grace that we thirst after the water of life. In the last in the last day, and this is a, just quoting here from John 7, In the last day, that great day of the feast, our Lord stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Remember the Lord told the woman at the well there in Samaria, You drink of that natural well water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink the water that I give you, there shall be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Remember what she said? (laughs) Lord, give me that water. Give me that water. And that's thirsting. That's seeking salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. All right, back in our portion, look at verse 7. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth, hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Hear me, Lord, lest I be like them that go down into the pit of everlasting despair. The only thing God has to do to send us to eternal condemnation justly is to leave us to our own wicked selves. I mean, if God sent you to hell, would he be just in doing so? Would he be right? Would he be doing what was right and just? Absolutely. And my friend, if he ever teaches you that lesson, you'll say amen. If God sent me to hell, he'd be doing what was right. He'd be doing what I deserve. Now that's not what I want. That's not what I trust you want, beloved. Rather by his grace, I want his grace and mercy. I want his salvation full and free in Christ. And that's what David said here in this, in our portion. Hide not your face from me. Hide not your face from me. The glory of God God shines in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, grant that I may see Christ. Let me see him. Shed your love abroad in my heart. Now, in verse 8 through to verse 12, we have a sevenfold request that our brother prays unto the Lord. Lord, hear me speedily. My spirit faileth. Give ear to my supplication. What would the man after God's own heart pray for? What would he pray for? Lord, I pray that I never have a sick day. Is that what he'd pray for? Lord, I I pray that you give me wealth, health, and riches, and all those things. Notice our brother doesn't mention any of those physical things. Rather, the things that we need are spiritual blessings. And so notice these seven things here mentioned. First of all, he says in verse 8, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Let me hear of your loving kindness first thing in the morning. Cause, cause me, O Lord, to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. What's his loving kindness? It's his mercy, is it not? Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. When you wake up in the morning, Lord, cause us to hear and think about your loving kindness. Cause us to think upon your mercy unto the covenant of your grace unto your people. Unto a sinner like me unto a sinner like you, beloved. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust, for in thee do I trust. And when we and when are we to trust the Lord, beloved? Just in the morning? Oh no, beloved, we're to trust in the Lord at all times. At all times. We read in Psalm sixty two, trust in him at all times, ye people, pour out your heart before him, for God is a refuge for for us. Now notice the second thing he says in verse eight. Cause me to know thy way. Cause me to know the way. Notice, cause me to know the way. Cause me to hear the only way. Now, this is not popular in our day. In our day, they think that there's many ways of salvation. My own dear relation told me, after I clarified that Christ is the only way, and that Christ me stating that and declaring that plainly and clearly, that that wasn't my opinion. But the Lord himself declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No man cometh unto the Father but by my righteousness, by my sin atoning blood. I clarified plainly and clearly, no one is going to be in heaven with the Father apart from the blood and righteousness of Christ. And tragically, she said, well, then I disagree with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sadly, most of my family, even the religious among them, believe that there's many ways of salvation. And, you know, they have the idea that getting to heaven is like climbing up a mountain. And that when you get to the top of that mountain, you have salvation. And that there are a lot of different ways to get to the top. Now, that might sound good to lost, ignorant men and women. But according to the Word of God, there's just one way of salvation, and it's the narrow way. It's the restricted way. I repeat, the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, my friend, he alone is the way, and there's no salvation for anyone apart from being found in Christ, for he himself is salvation. And so, Lord, cause me to hear of thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. And, beloved, we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, seeking him and him alone. For I lift up my soul unto thee. I look unto thee. And he says in verse 9, Deliver me, O Lord. Save me. (laughs) Save me. And who else could? Who else could deliver us Who else could save us but the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Deliverer? You see, beloved, He's the Redeemer in whom we have redemption. We have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. Deliver me from my sin. I flee unto thee to hide me. Where do you want to be found when the Lord comes? Where do you want to be found? I want to be found in Him. How about you? Where do you want to be found when the Lord comes for you, when the days and the minutes of your life are gone? I want to be found in Christ. I want to be found in Him. Verse 10, Teach me to do thy will. Now, we need to be taught, beloved. We need to be taught. I'm reminded of that Scripture in John 6, where our Lord declares, No man can come to me, except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. You see, they come to Christ. He's the lesson. And so teach me to do thy will, O Lord. What is the will of the Lord? What is the will of the Lord? Bow to Christ. Submit to Christ. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. This Thy spirit is good. For the Lord is good and there's none good but God. And David says here, lead me into the land of the uprightness. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Lead me into the land of salvation by his righteousness. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, my friend, you and I need a shepherd. As I said at the beginning, we, we don't take care of ourselves, beloved. I'm, I'm just an under-shepherd here. <laughs> but there's one great glorious shepherd and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in Scripture, and if you've not heard this before, I pray the Lord would send his spirit to bless the the clean water of his word and power to your heart and that you would be comforted to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is a sovereign, successful Savior. He's not a failure. He's not trying to save everybody. Listen to what he says. He said, This is the Father's will, he who sent me that of all that he has given me, I shall lose nothing, (laughs) but raise it up again at the last day. That is to say, all of the people that our heavenly father gave his son to save in covenant arrangement, in covenant engagement and perfect execution, he shall save all of his sheep, all of his lambs. In fact, right now, there's not one of his sheep in hell. Let that sink in. There's not one of his sheep in hell right now. There's not one person in hell right now for whom he died. How come? Because he tells us plainly why he was sent into the world. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And beloved, he's going to find all his sheep. Not one of them will be missing. Not a one. Bow to Christ means you believe him. Submitting to Christ means you believe him. If you can't submit to that, you've not repented, my friend. And you do not have the faith of his elect. What does the scriptures teach us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25? It says that repentance is granted of God. And that that repentance acknowledges the truth. And it's the same thing faith does. It acknowledges the truth. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And isn't it wonderful to hear, I give them eternal life? (laughs) He doesn't offer them eternal life if they let them. (laughs) He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And so, beloved, you and I need a shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd to lead me. And where he leads me by his grace, I will follow him. And so, Lord, lead me into the land of uprightness. Verse 11. Quicken me. Quicken me. What does that mean? It means very simply this. Lord, make me alive. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the living word. So quicken me, Lord. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And Lord, do it for thy name's sake, for your glory's sake. Do it for Christ's sake. I love that verse in Ephesians 4.32, where he says, and be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see, beloved, the only reason for salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. For thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. Because you're righteous, Lord, bring my soul out of trouble. Verse 12. And of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies. According to thy mercy, destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. Lord, quicken me. Save me for Christ's sake. You see, the only safe ground to stand upon for any sinner is the ground of mercy. And mercy is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his righteousness were delivered out of all of our troubles. For it is of thy mercy, O Lord, that all my enemies are destroyed. And because of your blood, I'm your servant. I'm your purchased, signed, sealed, and delivered possession. And God's beloved is mine. (laughs) His Savior, His Son, is mine, and I am His. Oh, to you who believe, He is precious, is He not? I tell you who's precious to those He's purchased with His sin-atoning blood. Just one more verse I'd like to read to you, and then we'll conclude. Turn with me to uh, Titus chapter 3. We were talking. We have a meeting between the services and we were just rejoicing in our salvation in Christ and how we were once like the Pharisee. Remember the Pharisee? What darkness, what ignorance. Remember what he prayed, that pretentious prayer? He said, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. What darkness. What ignorance. But by God's grace, we know that we can't look down our noses at anybody. I, If you ask me what I am, I'll just tell you, it's just plainly, I, I'm a sinner undeservedly saved by God's grace. That's it. <laughs> and I don't want to get above that. Not at all. Titus chapter 3, beloved. And then I'll ask our brother, uh, James. Richards, to conclude our time together in a word of prayer. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now, Paul is writing to Titus, and he is uh, telling him in verse 3, Beloved Titus, put them in mind. Put God's people in mind. Put God's elect, those precious sheep and lambs. Put the people of God in mind. Verse 1 to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His own, but according to His mercy, according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen.